Well, like I said, I woke up this morning and went, good morning, Lord. Not good for it's morning. <laughs> I had an interesting text message. What do you call it when you talk to someone via a text message? Is there a word for that? A text message war. It wasn't a war. We, we are communicated. A text message communicates. You make it sound so aggressive. Um, it's not a text message war. <laughs> but I was texting a mate uh, this week in the council because, you see, I wanted to um, have a chat with him and catch up with him and talk to him about some things. Now that we're here in Ganella Bar, we're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do was to connect with him. I've got a few friends of mine that work in the council here. And I wanted to have a chat with them. Some, some are believers, some are not, but they're all great people and I get on well with them and they, they know the area. So I wanted to catch up with one of them and, and have a sit down, have a coffee and talk about, you know, how do you guys see as a council? What do, you, what do you see our area? Where are the needs? Where are the opportunities for somebody to step on in and do something, you know? So anyway, the conversation went like this. I texted him. I said, hi, mate. Al Kirchin here. Just touching base regarding a time to have a coffee. Would love to chat regarding Ganella Bar, etc. If you have a time or place that works for you, just let me know. Cheers, Al. I get a text message back. Mate, just got back from Signet Bay. Great long weekend. Mate, I'm around tomorrow, so perhaps give me a call mid-morning and we can have a catch-up in my office. Does that suit? My text message back, I'll call you later in the day. This was the next morning I got the message, yeah, I'll call you. So I ring up, ring, 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 guy answers the phone. <coughs> he says, Craig speaking. I said, uh, is Rod there? Nah, this is Craig. So, said, oh. I must have the wrong number. See, I thought I was talking to my friend Rod, and it turns out I'm talking to some complete stranger called Craig. <laughs> but how funny that I asked those questions about talking about Ganella Bar and so on, and he must have thought I'm com- somebody completely different, and he obviously thought he knew who I was, but he didn't. He thought he knew what I was talking about, but he didn't. I thought I knew who he was, but I didn't. I thought he knew what I was talking about, but he obviously didn't. I thought I knew what he was saying, but I had no idea. And it all came to a head when he answers the phone and says, Craig speaking, I'm sorry, I'm looking for Rod. This isn't Rod, mate, this is Craig. So I went, oh, sorry, wrong number, and hung up the phone. thought, how weird, what a coincidence that all that sort of stuff lined up. But we were both on a completely different wavelength. We really were on a totally different wavelength. And when I got off the phone... It actually made me think about what we're talking about the last few weeks, the whole topic and idea of purpose. And I think sometimes we as human beings are sometimes on a wrong wavelength when it comes to the idea, the concept, and the topic of our purpose. We think one thing. We think it this way, but in reality, it's probably a bit different than the way we see it or the way we think it. We think of purpose as a... Uh, a, a thing that will give me something when I get there. But we've been talking the last few weeks about purpose, and purpose is probably not what we think it is. Because it's biblically probably not what we think it is, we're probably hunting around in the wrong places to try to find it. And it's no wonder so many of us feel like we don't know what our purpose is, we, we don't know if we have a purpose, serve a purpose, whatever. So the last few weeks we've been looking at this issue of purpose, uh, the first week we looked at that inner agitation, you know, that inner agitation. What is it about the What is it? There's something there in the world that really aggravates you. I watched a movie last night called Wonder. Anyone seen Wonder? And I bawled like a baby. It was pathetic. 
But you know what? I can't stand. Something aggravates me when I see people that, 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 that are, uh, feel hopeless or feel isolated or feel like they don't have a place. It really it irates me. It's one of the things I love about church. Everybody has a place here. At the table of God, everybody has a seat. You know, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from. It doesn't matter where you are presently right now. Whether you think you're sailing on the high seas and it's perfect, or you know deep down inside there's stuff going on in your world that shouldn't be going on. It doesn't matter. There's a seat at the table of God for you, and I love that, you know. So I get, I get this agitation thing when I see people that feel like they don't fit. Or they, well, I was the kid at school. My mates, we were all the sort of, you know, we were all sporty players and, and, and stuff like that. And, but my group was such an eclectic mix of people. And the people in my group at school, they probably got really sick of me, although they never told me, because some kid would come to school and nobody would invite this kid to be with them. Maybe the kid looked a little bit, his body shape was not the right shape, or he wasn't the sporty kid, or it was a bit uncool, whatever, whatever the reason was. Kids can be cruel sometimes like that, and, and they have their cliques, and it's hard to get in. And, but any time a kid would come to Balna High in our year, and I'd see him walking around, nobody wanted him, I'd go up to him personally and go, hey mate, you come sit with me and my friends. And I could tell, some of my mates were like, we don't want to hang out, what are we sitting with him? But they, it didn't matter, no, he's hanging with us, alright? This kid's going to hang with us, you don't like it, there's plenty of other places you can go, but he's going to be, and in the end, we had such an eclectic group of kids, but we all became really good friends, you know, and we looked out for each other, and, and uh, so there's something about people feeling like that, it really agitates me, and you've got things in your world too. They kind of agitate you. You know, there are stories and headlines and stuff that get a little, it gets your spirit bubbling. It's, it's, it's something that's on the inside. It's not external, it's inside. And we talked about that being a bit of a key, perhaps, to, to your purpose somewhere down the track in life. There's, that's a bit of a key. Uh, last week, we talked about being made on purpose for a purpose. That where the Bible says in Ephesians that God has prepared works in advance for you to do them, that means that he prepared you he prepared these works and then he looked at the works and then he went, I need to fashion the perfect person to do that stuff. So you were actually made on purpose for a purpose. You're not an accident, you know? You're not an accident. You're made on purpose <coughs> for a purpose. I was reading an article by a woman called Sarah Howland. She's the editor-in-chief of Technologies magazine and she wrote an article and the article was about being uh, purpose-built, which I believe each one of us are. And she made an interesting statement. She said this. She said, used properly... Purpose-built means that the product was designed to meet specific requirements as defined by the customer and its applications and so on. This means unnecessary features are unnecessary. Unnecessary features are unnecessary. How many of us sit here? We wish we were like that person. I wish I had their personality. Well, guess what? That feature is unnecessary for what God's got for you. So stop wishing that you had somebody else's stuff. You've got your stuff and your stuff's pretty cool. Because you were made on purpose for a reason. There's something for you to do, and you've got the goods. And when you connect the goods up with the Spirit of God, man, you've got something going for you. You're awesome, you know? Uh, unnecessary features are unnecessary. Purpose-built products provide users with the features needed to get the job done and are not over-engineered or over-featured for the sake of trends. God wasn't trying to be trendy with you, you know? He knew things that he wanted you to walk in beforehand, so he purpose-made you to be able to achieve and do those things. Yes, life gets in the way. Yes, things happen. Yes, we might feel like we get uh, sideswiped and taken off track and so on. But here's the thing, like a good GPS, the path might change, but the purpose doesn't. The GPS coordinates are set. I know where you're going. You might have took a wrong turn or life might have forced you off the path. Well, guess what? A GPS it just recalibrates where you are and it keeps you focused. No, no, we can, get, we can still get there. It doesn't matter what road you take, what laneway you're on. You'll still get there. 
Amen? You can still get there. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? I, I hope last week that you all walked out of here feeling special. Walking around this week going, I'm not going to put my head down. Why should I? I'm purpose built. I'm meant, I hope you walked into your work, Paul. I hope you walked into your work, Paul. Eh? You looked around that place. I'm purpose built. You throw whatever you want. I'm built for this. I can do this. You know? I hope we all felt like that. I did. I, when, when, I, when I read that passage I shared last week in, 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 in Genesis about the Garden of Eden, I did. Ever since then, I've kind of had this new sense of boldness and purpose. And it's like, you know what? I'm not an accident here. I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm meant to be. I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. And I've got everything I need to do it. Not in a proud and arrogant way. It doesn't mean that I can't learn something. It doesn't mean I don't have rough edges that God's still chiseling away at. It doesn't mean that my personality and, and things about me uh, are, I'm not you know, still being shaped and worked on by God. But it means that my very core, the person I am, I was purpose-built for a reason. Amen? I was built for a reason, and uh, there's a reason I am the way that I am. Now, just very quickly, today I want to look at how we find our purpose. Okay, because I know a few people have probably gotten frustrated at me. You're not saying it to me, but I can tell. Some of you have been frustrated at me, like, well, just tell me what my purpose is then. You keep talking about purpose. Tell me what my purpose is. I know, I can feel the vibe from some of you. Okay, what's my purpose? Well, I want to talk a little bit about that today. Before I get into that, I just want to say a couple of really quick things. First of all, the first and highest purpose of God for you is that you would know Jesus. Before anything else, the highest purpose of mankind is that we would come into an intimate, loving relationship with our Saviour, with Jesus Christ. That's the highest purpose of God right there. Uh, it says in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, he has, sh- he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. You're designed and purpose-built to walk with God. Matter of fact, that's the first thing we kind of really know about Adam and Eve is that they, they, they communed with God. They walked in a garden with the Lord. There was a relationship there with God. And the highest purpose for your life and mine, the very first purpose of God for us, is that we would come into relationship with Jesus. Amen? That we would surrender ourselves. We would accept the simple message. It's what's called good news, you know, because it really is good news. I'm going to stand before God one day, and when I get there, I know that I'm not good enough. I know I'm not good enough. I know that it doesn't matter. I'm not holy enough. I'm not perfect enough. I know that shocks some of you, but it's true. I'm not. But you know what? I'm confident when I stand there that he's going to look at me. He's going to pick up a pair of Jesus glasses and put on his Jesus goggles, you know, put them on and go, oh, Jesus is on that one. That's fine. You made it, you know. Because it's not about me. I'm not thinking that I'm great. But I believe that I messed up and I believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for all my mistakes and all the things that I've done wrong. I believe that he was crucified, that he was buried, that he was resurrected on the third day. That's, that, that's, that's actually our message in a nutshell. That's it. That's, that's the best that we got, and that's the best there is. That if we will come humbly to him, surrender our lives to him, accept the fact that we have, we've blown it, that we can never make ourselves right with God, but Jesus' death on the cross was God's way of extending mercy to us and saying, hey, I know you're never going to be good enough, so I'm going to make a way for you because I love you that much. I love you that much. And so the first purpose of us, of man, is to come to God. The second thing I want to say is that the purposes of God for your life are broader than you think. Okay, they're broader than you think. Sometimes we think about the purpose of God, the will of God, it's like the eye of a needle. That's the thought we have in our head. It's just this narrow slit, and we must be perfect. Otherwise, how are we going to make it? And we get to a point in life when we feel confused and we go, I must have blown it now. Surely I'm that far off the path. How could I possibly find the purpose of God? We had a, a young couple. Um, from uh, Brisbane, drive down 
from Brisbane yesterday to sit down and <laughs> have a chat with myself and Jackie about uh, relationship issues and stuff they're having. And we're sitting there and we're chatting with them. And one of the, the things that we, we, we talked to them about was the fact that, you know, I believe personally, my theology is that there's not just one person in the world for you. They were sitting there looking and one of the questions the girl had, how do I know he's the one? It's like, well, first of all, I don't think there's just one. What are the chances of there being only one person you could ever be happy with for the rest of your life? I believe there are quite a few people that I could have married. But I believe that God... Oh, I know. But I believe that God... I do. And, 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 and Jackie could have had so many other men not as good as me. But, but, you know what? But I believe God knows. He looks at Jackie and who she is and her personality and her heart and her call and the purposes that he put her here for. And he looks at me and he goes, yep, that match would work. But I don't think it's the eye of a needle, one person only. And if you miss it, you've blown it. I don't believe that at all. And so I think it's like that with purpose. You know, sometimes we think our purpose is just this eye of a needle. I want to tell you something. The purpose of God for your life is much broader than you think. There's more space on the stage for you to dance on than what a lot of us think there is. We think it's just one tiny square of carpet and God's going, hey, I've got a whole stage here for you. There's, you can dance in that corner, that corner, that corner, and you'll still be in the purposes and the plans of God. Okay? It's a little bit like when I was a kid, I used to read those um, Choose Your Own Adventure books. Anyone ever read them? Choose Your Own Adventure books? I knew you would have. I just, I just knew you would have. I don't know why. I just knew you would have done it. And the Choose Your Own Adventure books, they were, they were like... There were books, and you would read, and you know, and, 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 and you know, I'm walking along the street, and I pick up a map, and then when I pick up a map, <coughs> the map has, uh, you know, saying you can go this way, and it says you can go that way, and then it says you choose. If you choose to go left, turn to page 47. If you choose to go right, turn to page 61. And so you would you would make your choice, and you would turn to the page, and then you'd go, yes, it was a good choice. I made it. I'm still alive, and I'm, and 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 it would go on for ages. And the goal would always be to get to the end and to make it, you know, to make it through the the, the castle or to to uh, you know find the hidden princess or whatever it was. These choose your own adventure books. And and if you didn't make it, you had this real sense of deflation. It's like, oh no, you know, because one wrong move in those books, it's over. It's over. There ain't no second chance. There ain't no second chance. Jimmy Barnes was wrong. There's no second chances, okay? If you make the wrong mistake, it's over. You either die in the book or you end up being, in, you know, locked in a room for the rest of your life and eating gravy and chips or whatever. And, and, and that's the way these books are. And sometimes we can feel a bit that way ourselves as well, is that just that one wrong choice, that one wrong decision nullifies the purpose of God for my life. That is wrong theology. It's wrong. It doesn't. Think about it. If life was that fickle, I mean, if God was that easily thrown off his perch, what sort of God are we worshipping? He doesn't sound to me like the kind of God that can create a world in the universe. He doesn't sound to me like the kind of intelligent designer that I see when I look at the stars in the sky and the oceans and the hills. It doesn't sound like that. I mean, he sounds like the kind of God that couldn't make a cake. Which is why I'm not God. I can't make cakes. I'm hopeless. I try, but I'm not real good at it. So it's not that fickle. If my purpose... No, moving on. I could stay there, but I've only got two hours, so um, we'll move on a little bit more. I was thinking about the story the other day, you know, Paul's preaching in the upper room there and the kid's sitting on the windowsill and he's just preaching like all night and about three o'clock in the morning or something, the kid falls out the window. I thought, wouldn't that be cool to do one day, eh? Just to, you know, just to preach so long that you fell asleep on me and somebody fell over, hurt themselves and I could pray for you and you would be healed and I would just get back up as if nothing happened and keep talking. How wild is that? 
You know, wouldn't you love to have been there? Paul, he's following. Uh, my first thought is, Paul, that's a sign. It's a sign, Paul. Stop talking. People are falling asleep and falling out of windows. Don't keep dragging. Anyway, it's a side issue. I'll preach about that another day. Uh, so purpose. Purpose. We're talking about our purpose. Here's the truth. I don't always hear God perfectly, but he always hears me. I don't always see God, but he always sees me. I don't always follow God, but I believe he always follows me. And he's a better follower than anybody else on Twitter, by the way, that you might have following you. I don't always get it right, but God always seems to make it right. I don't always get it right, but God makes it right. Your purpose has not disappeared from your life. Okay? Your purpose is not, you haven't lost because of a choice you might have made or a place you might find yourself in or uh, I've married the wrong person or I've got the wrong job. It doesn't work like that. That's not how it works. Okay? God is much bigger than that. And I, and I want to say this to every one of you right now. I believe that you're in the purposes of God. You're in the purposes of God. Okay? God's got good things in store for you. He knows who you are. He knows your address. He knows what he's got for you. He knows why he made you. And he knows why he put you here as well. He knows why he put you on planet Earth. I believe he knows why he put you here in Arise as part of this family too. Okay, so what is purpose? What is purpose? Very briefly, the dictionary definition of purpose is this. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Purpose is the reason for which you do something, the reason for which something is created, or the reason why something exists. So I used the example a few weeks ago. A hammer exists to bang nails into wood. A hammer doesn't exist to be a hammer. The purpose, a hammer doesn't go, wow, I know my purpose, I'm a hammer. No, your purpose is not to be a hammer. Your purpose is to be used to drive nails into wood. Just we call it a hammer. But the purpose is to be used for something bigger than yourself and outside of yourself. A saw. The purpose of a saw is not to be a saw. Oh, wow, I know I'm a saw. I've reached my purpose. No, you haven't. (laughs) Your purpose is to actually cut wood. We just call that implement a saw. But the purpose itself is to actually cut wood. So purpose is to be used for something else outside of yourself. Our God-ordained purpose is to be used for something other than ourselves. Okay? Your God-ordained purpose is to be used for something other than yourself. Your God-ordained purpose is to be used by God for the benefit of others. Put it that way. Now everyone goes, oh, I don't really think I want to know my purpose then. <laughs> I thought when I'm, my purpose was all about me. I thought it would be all about me. I'll know my purpose and I'll be, I'll be so fulfilled and it'll be all, my life will come alive. and it'll go, you know. There is fulfilment in serving other people. You know why? Because it's your purpose. You're living life the way that you're meant to live it. There's fulfillment found when we give ourselves for others and we give ourselves for the sake of something bigger than ourselves. We need to dispel the myth that our purpose is all about us, my joy, my satisfaction, my contentment. My purpose is actually about others. I read this story this week about contentment. There was a man and he was flying in a plane above a reef and he had his co-pilot there. And this man looked down at a little boat sitting on the reef. And he said, you know, when I was young, I used to look down at that boat. Uh, I used to be in that boat when I was young and I used to look up at the planes going overhead and say, geez, I wish I could be up in a plane flying. He said, now (laughs) I'm flying over the top looking down at the boat going, gee, I wish I was in the boat fishing. (laughs) Contentment. We think 
is that finding our purpose is all about our own personal contentment. Let, let me tell you something about contentment. What you can't find here now with what you have, you won't find there. If you can't find contentment in life now, where you are right here, you won't find contentment there. It'll be as temporary there as what it was when you first started your journey now. Okay? Paul has an amazing thing to say about contentment. I think it's very important when we pursue purpose that we understand what we're pursuing and why we're pursuing it. Okay? And these are fallacies about purpose. When I get there, I'll have this amazing sense of contentment. Here's what Paul says to us about contentment. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, 13. He says this. He says, Not that I speak in regard to need. And he says, I've learnt in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to have a lot. And I know how to have little. Everywhere and in all things I've learnt both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ. Here's what he's saying. That... In a practical sense, if I think I'll be really content when I find Mr. Right, no, you won't be. Because contentment is found in Christ. Christ in you, that's contentment for the Christian. This is what Paul's saying. I've learned how to have contentment. Contentment starts right now knowing I'm in right relationship with God, that he loves me, that I'm special. I don't need to go, when I get that job, I'll be contented. Until then, I'm going to be discontent. What happens is, you, if you think you're going to find something up there that you can't have here, you're missing the point. And so many people think, when I find my purpose, purpose is about me. It's about my contentment. It's about me feeling good. So I'm chasing after this thing called purpose. I'm chasing it, chasing it, chasing it, so that I can find it, because it's going to give me something. We're missing the point of our God-ordained purpose. Our God-ordained purpose is to be used for something other than ourselves. It's to be an answer to somebody else's need, not to stand in a place where I feel like all mine are getting met. But the beautiful thing in that is that as I'm in that place meeting the needs of others, my needs do get met. But don't think that when I have a light bulb moment and I know my purpose, at that point I'm going to have some kind of magical sense of contentment inside that I can't have now. If you have Jesus with you right now, you can be as content right now where you are as you will ever be, regardless of what the future throws at you, gives to you, lays in your lap. Whatever. That's the point that Paul's making here. He says, I'm, I can be content with, with a little because it's irrelevant about my circumstance, my situation. Contentment comes because Christ is on the inside of me. And if we're thinking about purpose as in it's something that's going to give me something I can't have now, you're missing the point. It won't give you something you can't have now. Okay? You can have contentment right now where you are. Now, I'm kind of leading you on, aren't I, a little bit here, and everyone's still going, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? So if my purpose is found in self-sacrificial service to something other than myself, where do I begin? And everyone's going, okay, now get on to the real stuff. I want to hear, what's my purpose? Alan? What's my purpose? I don't know what your purpose is. I'll just kill that one right now. I'm still trying to work out what my purpose is in life. Now, I've got this is why I don't this is why I don't follow my notes normally because I don't get lost when I'm not following notes. But I really wanted to try to follow a bit of a path here uh, with you today. If you can chuck two scriptures up on the board for me, Luke, please. Uh, I think it's uh, Genesis one twenty eight. Genesis one twenty eight. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. 
Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. Not a bad purpose. Who wouldn't mind that one? Who wouldn't mind God coming up to you and going, this is your purpose, I want you to rule the world. That's basically what it is in essence. Your purpose, Adam, Eve, your purpose is to rule the world. What a moment, you know, you're going to rule the world. Um, go to 2.15 for me. I think it's 2.15, is it? Genesis 2.15. So God says your purpose is to rule the world. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in a garden and said, look after the garden. How deflated. What? You just told me I'm going to rule the world. That's my purpose is to rule the world. And then you take me out of the world and you put me in a little garden. How many of you know the garden was not the world? There was a world outside the garden. God made it, said it was good. And then he creates this tiny little space called a garden and he plops him in a garden. And then when he's in the garden, he says, what are the opportunities in the garden right now? Well, there's plenty of weeds growing at him. Would you mind weeding a garden? What? I'm meant for more than that. I'm more important than that. This is what I think. If I was Adam, I would have turned around to God and said, you must be mistaken. You must be thinking of somebody else. I, my purpose is to rule the world. Remember that? What was all that? Have dominion, rule everything. What was that? And now you're saying, come and sit in a garden and do something in a garden. You're kidding? I would have gone God toe to toe. And you know what? I could have used the word of the Lord as well. Well, let me take you back to Genesis, God. Look what you said. Here's the word of the Lord to me. You told me, you told me. And God said, yes, I did, but I'm going to put you in a garden, a little space of my choosing, and I'm going to ask you to do something that I want you to do. And that is tend and keep the garden. Interesting. It's very interesting, isn't it? That in order to find that big purpose, there was a starting point. There's a starting point. Now, you might have that agitation and you might feel this and you might have... God has a purpose and a plan for your life, a big picture thing, okay? But it's going to have a starting point and it's going to start somewhere. And here's what I believe, and shoot me down if you want to, but I believe God takes each of us and he puts us in a little space. The Bible calls it a garden. I call it a local church. And he puts us in a space and he says, look after it. If you can't look after the garden, Adam, how will you look after the world? If you can't be faithful in the garden, Adam, how will you be faithful in the world? If you can't dominion over yourself and serve me there, how can you have dominion over the world and over demons and all kinds of other things? that we have and that we want. See, I think God puts us in a little place called a garden, called a church, and in that place, there are opportunities. There might not have been an opportunity to rule the world in the garden, but there was an opportunity to weed it. There was an opportunity to fertilise it. There was an opportunity to trim the roses or whatever else went in the garden. Most of us want to rule the world and have dominion, but we don't want to get our hands dirty in the garden. We think that one day, we think we're just going to sit here and one day somebody from China is going to ring you up and go, I have a church of 10,000 people. I want you to come preach for me for my 10,000 people church. And you'll go, that's right, the Lord said to me I was going to preach to thousands. There it is, God, you've opened the door. Yes, really? Really? But we did nothing then, you know? What 10,000 people church, they want you to come. 
This is what we think. We think we're just going to walk straight into that big purpose of God without ever having to serve in our local garden. I don't know a person who has ever gone on to achieve great things for God, do things in the kingdom that make a difference where kingdom matters are, who didn't first start by being a servant in their local church. You know, when I joined YWAM, I, I had this burning thing that God is going to use me to preach the gospel to people that don't know him. That's always been this thing inside of me. I didn't understand it all, but it was confirmed to me one time when I was living in India. Three people back... Anyone remember snail mail? Remember when you used to actually send mail and lick the, send it off with a stamp? <laughs> yeah? Some people have no idea what I'm talking about. This, this is the great thing as you're getting a bit older, you look down and you go, you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? I'm talking about a phone with a cord. No, not to charge it, to actually talk. Do you remember that? And so I was over there in India and... Three people on three different continents around the world all sent me a letter, at, and they must have done it at the same time. And all three of them said, I feel like God said to give you this scripture, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you, because the Lord has anointed you to preach good news to the poor and so on. You know? that's, that's the big picture thing for me. I'm not walking in the complete big picture of what I believe God has for me. I don't think I'm there yet. But you know what? I'm standing at a good place. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can right now. But you know how this all started for me? One day, so I got saved and then six months later joined YWAM. So I didn't really have a local church to kind of dive into when I got saved. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't have that in my background. But I got into YWAM and, and YWAM was like a church for me. It was a bunch of believers. We got together. We worshipped together. We prayed. We had teach. Well, it, was, it was a similar sort of a, a thing for me. So that's the closest thing I had to a church, when I, a local church, when I got saved. One day... After my, my first training school finished and everyone came back on, and of course when you come back on staff, you know, we want you to lead this school and you have authority over these people in this area and you can train these people. And Alan, here's a screwdriver and a hammer. Oh, really? Yeah. But you know what? From a screwdriver and a hammer, I have stood in places and preached the gospel to people who have never ever heard the name of Jesus. I've stood in villages in India and been told that these people have never even heard Jesus. No one has ever preached in these interior places. And here I was as a 19, 20, 21-year-old guy preaching in these places. But it started because I picked up a hammer and a screwdriver in the place that I found myself. Here's the thing. I just wanted to serve God. I just wanted to serve God. Jesus changed my life and I just wanted to serve him. I didn't care. I wasn't smart enough to know that I can dictate to him what I do. I didn't realize that yet. I learned that later on, you know. People sit there going, well, I'll do this, God. And if you don't open an opportunity for that, I'm doing nothing. Well, guess what? Keep sitting because God won't open the opportunity for you. He just won't because you're not interested in serving God. If you're interested in serving God, you will do whatever opportunity is presented before you, okay? God puts you in a place and he gives you opportunity. I was thinking about these questions today. I want to ask you some questions. Let me throw these questions out to you. Do you want to serve God or do you want to preach? There's a, there can be a difference. Do you want to serve God or do you want to run the big kids program? Do you want to serve God or do you want to play on the worship team? Do you want to serve God or do you want to lead a ministry department? Here's the difference. One's about God and the what doesn't really matter. The other's about you, and the only thing that matters is the what. People that live like that, you'll never find your purpose. 
you won't find it. You won't find it. See, God's looking for people that just want to serve him. Give me an opportunity, God. Just give me... I don't care what it is. I've never been a maintenance man in my life. But I said, you know what? I've got a screw and Jackie will confirm that. I'm still not a maintenance man. But I took up a screwdriver and so on. You know, when I was on the base, I had this escort panel van. Escort panel vans are beautiful bread vans. That's what I worked out. They're built. Remember the old Esky, Esky lids? They're built for, um, for breads, bread runs. So we had a, a, a place on base there. And I would go and pick up the bread every week in my van. I would, I would drive out. And this happened at the most social time of the day as well. When everyone's sitting down having their lunch together, there's like 100 people in the hall laughing, joking, and I was never a part of it. You know why? Because what happened was we only had two vans, and we would often have people going out preaching in schools and university campuses and all this stuff. And it wasn't me. I didn't get asked to do that. I wasn't given the opportunity to do it. Other people were. But you know what I thought? I noticed something. I noticed that when, when they, quite often, people have to run home early because we needed a van to pick up bread and things like that. So I thought, you know what? I'll take that pressure off. I'll do it in my car every week so these people can go and do what they need to do. So you don't have to run back from the university. If God's moving or somebody wants to have a chat, you guys can stay at that school. You can do what you want. You can do. I mean, I used to eat all the sticky buns on the way, so there was a, there was a kick. There, there was a kickoff for me. But you know how it started? I just wanted to serve God. I wanted to play my part in a bigger picture, something bigger than myself. And if it meant that these teams could stay out there and be loving on people and showing Jesus to people, then you know what? I, I, let me fix your screen door while you go and preach the gospel. That's, that's, that was my attitude. I just wanted to serve God. And I didn't really care what I was doing. I just wanted to serve God. And I believe our purpose is found in finding a place in the garden that you're planted. It might not be your greatest desire heart's desire you know you might think you're this or think you're better or you got this to do or god's that's fine but let me tell you something if we can't start serving in the place you are now with the opportunities that god opens up for you now my firm belief is this god won't open other opportunities he won't open up other opportunities i'll just get you um dan and and what's the name to come back up we're going to finish up what did i say what's the name What's the name is actually the Hebrew word for fantastic keyboardist. <laughs> for those of you that aren't theologically trained. Mockers. <laughs> Being not in the presence of. Do we want to serve God? Is that the most important thing for us? Or is it all about the what? Are we dictating, telling God what we will? Here's the thing. Your purpose is going to be found. I believe if you're here, you're not here by accident. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. And this place is a part of your purpose. And if you're here right now, and this is your purpose, and our purpose is to serve, then there are certain opportunities we have to serve now. And there are certain ones we don't. It's this life. The opportunities we have today will increase as we as a community have a heart to serve God. As we have a heart to serve God and we take a step and we begin to do something. The Bible's very clear. God directs our steps, not our intentions. He directs steps, movement. God likes movement. God wants people to do things, people that take that step, people that move. And there are opportunities, and I've, I've got the boards over there for you to have a think about and pray about. Like I said, it might not be your dream gig. Nobody probably wants to clean, except for Jackie. Judy. But you know what? If everybody carries a little bit of weight and everybody does something, things happen. 
Okay? Things happen. But we're not doing it. I'm not, me and Jackie came up here, you, nobody would know this, but last Friday, me and Jackie came up here. We dropped Chloe at youth and we came into the building here and we cleaned. I don't mind doing it. It doesn't bother me. I got to hang out with my wife. It's nice. Put some worship on. But you know what? We weren't cleaning a building. I had a real sense that we weren't cleaning a building. We're serving God. We're serving God. God's given us this space. I don't get it all. I understand. But I love the idea that when people come in here, it's neat and tidy. I love the idea that, that, that it would be a kind of place that you'd want to invite your friends. You know? You wouldn't invite them into my house when I was growing up. I didn't invite them. I invited myself to other people's houses just so I didn't have to go home. God's got a place for us. We need to make decisions and choices. Humble ourselves and go, God, I just want to serve you. Because my purpose is to know you, serve you, love you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Do what there is to do. Look for opportunity and just do something. You won't be doing it for the rest of your life, but I guarantee if you don't do something, what you're doing now, you will do for the rest of your life, which is most likely nothing. Because God wants us to begin to move. I eventually got on to my friend, the council. He eventually connected and I told him the story and he thought it was hilarious that I thought that was him. And We went up here on Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. We grabbed a coffee. It was great chatting to him because he confirmed a lot of things that we've already been talking about as a leadership and things we've been thinking about this area and some of the needs and so on. He talked to me about some of the organisations and what they're doing and how they want to work in. Talked to me a bit about how council sees the area, what they see. Where, where, where people, uh, uh, the right group of people could get involved and so on. It really confirmed a lot of things. But I did walk away thinking like this. I did walk away thinking, if we're ever going to meet any of those needs, if we're ever going to impact the community outside of here, if we're ever going to do something great for Jesus and the kingdom of God, he's going to need a whole community of people with a heart to self-sacrificially serve something other than themselves. If we just want to come to church and sing some nice songs and meet some nice friends. Nothing wrong with that. But we won't, we won't change the car park. We won't change the car park. It's just a reality. I pray that everybody that calls a rise home, I, I pray that I agitate you and bug you enough in love that every one of us carry a little bit of weight. We do something. We do something. If we look after this little garden we got here, who knows? God might expand the borders of our tents. He might say, right, yeah, you guys work well together. You all serve and hearted. You serve the Lord. You love me. You'll do whatever I ask you to do. Guess what? I'm going to move them borders out a little. I'm going to give you more influence in this community. I'm going to give you more opportunity in this community. And then I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to give you more. Adam had a lot of things he could have learned in that garden. But in the end, he decided, no, no, it's about me. I can be like you, God. If I do this, I'll do my own thing. And God went, mm, sorry, out you go. I want to learn the lessons and I want to be that community, amen? Let's stand our feet. It's 12.04.05. I like to finish smack on 12. I've gone a little bit longer today. I hope you don't mind. If you need to leave, please feel free to leave. We're just going to worship God. Uh, if anybody would like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. We've been seeing some fantastic uh, interactions between God and, and, and people and some stuff that the Lord's doing by opening up this space at the end and just praying. We'd love to pray with you, but 
same time, I respect your time. If you need to cruise, you need to leave, feel free. There is still tea and coffee in that over there. Just respect the space up the front here if anybody would like prayer. Let's just sing this to finish up. I love, I love.